Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cochalilla, and today we have our psychic medium, Annie Larson. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Gary, for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so uh, we were just talking, and that's why I just wanted, wanted to jump into the show, because it was kind of interesting, really, um, from the very beginning, like about what it was it like to find out that you were psychic or discovering that you're different? Well, that for me happened at a very young age when I started having spirits approaching me. And then I also had a very strong precognition to the point where I was dreaming about things and they came true. And I would get these senses and feelings about people and things that were coming. And I would share with them, you know, what was happening, what I was getting. And a lot of it came true. I had a lot of the precognition come true. And uh, I really didn't understand the spirits coming. And it kind of kind of scares you because uh. people tell you it's not real. And you're like, really? Because she's right in the corner and she's talking to me and it seems very real. So, so they appear to you like a solid being? Um, sometimes they're solid, but when I was younger, it was more because I was afraid I really didn't want to look at them. Uh-huh. So one of my earliest experiences was uh, with my um, sister. She had come home from a seance. Again, when we talked to her, <laughs> it runs in the family. And she had come home and uh, was supposed to have a visitor. And so she said, hey, will you come sleep with me? Because, you know, I'm, I don't want this visitor so I was like, yeah, yeah, we, we're about 10 years apart. So she was in her teens, and I must have been maybe five. And so I went, and I, I slept in her room. And when we were going to sleep, I said, gosh, can you take off that perfume? It just stinks. I'm really sensitive to smells. Mm-hmm. I said, it just stinks. And she said, I'm not wearing any perfume. And I was like, what? And over in the corner, I could hear somebody breathing. I knew it was a woman. And I knew that she wanted to approach us. And so I just kind of ducked under my covers. And she did. She came right right next to the bed. And I could kind of see her with my mind's eye. And I could hear her breathing. And I could smell that really strong, disgusting perfume smell. And for me, it was scary, but yet exciting. Because it was kind of this confirmation of, okay, there really is something out there and it's beyond our, you know, physical realm. So it was exciting at the same time. And, and then from there, like, um, well, did you ever have to work on developing your skills and learning how to control them or it just sort of stayed like this natural thing? It stayed for me. It was natural for me. And um, as I told you earlier, I grew up religious, so that really didn't kind of (laughs) coincide with what I was seeing, feeling, and sensing. And so that was, um, you know, difficult at times, but I really trusted in my own instincts. And I did share with people um, the psychic information that I got 
And so I lived my path, even though I was, you know, in this religious household. I just kind of believed what I believed and had a very strong conviction. I'm the youngest of seven, and I think that helped me tremendously because the youngest are normally the most verbose and we kind of have to fight for our place, right? Yes, I'm the youngest in my family too. And you know, and, and especially I had um, five older brothers, so that was even more difficult having you know that strong male energy. So you really had to know who you were. And so for me, I um, actually began doing readings. Um, I started reading with cards and then I moved on to the tarot deck uh, in, I almost gave the year, but when I was, um, you know, 10, 12 years old, tarot decks back then were really expensive. So I had to save up because um, they were like $80, $90 back then. It's not like it is today where yeah. they're, you know, 50 million. I read true tarot cards. And so I started reading tarot cards and was reading, you know, Edgar Casey and following Sybil Leake and all of these people who, you know, have different senses, use their sixth sense. And then, um, I st as I said, I started doing readings and then um, I started doing home investigations because people were having issues in their houses and stuff. So, and I, I actually practiced um, just naturally practicing because really there wasn't anyone to turn to to help you develop mm -hmm. for reading, you know, books. Um, and then in my late 20s, I had some really unpleasant experiences and it kind of tucked me back into my metaphysical closet. And then about a decade ago, um, I had some really profound experiences and came back into this realm of reading again, kicking and screaming because I didn't want to do this work. I, I continued throughout my, you know, my 30s, 40s, and 50s reading people, um, but didn't, wasn't doing it professionally. And so, um, yes, when I came back into this work about a decade ago, then I did do some study to help bring it forth more. It's always been there. So for me, it, it was just more honing my skills because even with all the training that I've had in my lifetime, I still go back to my natural inclinations of how I read people. It, it doesn't seem to matter how much training or what people tell me. I still know deep down inside. I, I read people the same way that I did when I was five years old. Cool. Um, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Um, <laughs> what happened that, that made you want to step away from doing readings? Um, I don't talk about it because part of it, I don't want to invite it back in. And it, uh -huh. it was just some profound experiences for me. Had I had someone who was a mentor to me, who could have helped me um, understand what was physically, I had a lot of physical things happening around me that were really unpleasant physical experiences. I think I would have been, I don't think I would have walked away from this work or put it down. Um, you know, um, I've always played around with like Ouija boards and things like that. I still mm -hmm. do. There's nothing wrong with them. But I think I invited things in that I know today 
they wouldn't come near me. It, it just that energy wouldn't be allowed to be around me. Yes. And back then, a mentor would have been very, very helpful, which kind of leads to, you know, I mentor and train people. I teach people and certify people to become psychics and mediums and to really build up their intuition. And my biggest goal is to be that mentor and to be somebody who can help take away that fear because there is a lot of fear around the work that I do. Is that what brought you back into it? Um, well, what brought me back into it, a friend of mine's son came to me in a dream and he was between two worlds and I knew it. And I woke up and I knew he had been in a terrible accident and he, I needed to get a message to his dad. And so he told me the message and I didn't want to do any of this. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to cause anybody pain. I knew he was going to be fine. He told me he was going to be fine, but he was really serious. And you don't want to go and give false hope to anyone, right? Okay. So I, I didn't want to do anything to inflict pain. Well, spirit had, um, had a, a different path for me and uh, started manifesting things. Um, I had a migraine I couldn't get rid of. Um, and then I started having a physical activity in my house where my basement lights were going crazy and you could actually like talk to my lights and they would answer. And I think it was this person that I was put, you know, the sun coming through who was talking through the lights and I had friends down to say, come here and look at my lights. <laughs> and let's ask questions because it's answering my questions, right? So for me, it took about five days to actually go to the hospital and deliver this message to the dad that, that, uh, of healing and forgiveness, you know, with his son. And so the son um, uh, recovered, and um, the vision that he had given me, um, I actually saw two and a half years later. He was walking across this field, and I actually was driving was on a college campus and I was actually driving because my daughter ended up going to the school and I delivered something to her and as I was driving I saw the son walking across the field so that's how I knew he was going to be okay and um, yeah so it's that's the work that brought me back to this one I saw how profound the healing was well after I had this experience then then it's like the floodgates opened up and spirit was, okay, she's, she's back in the game, let's go. And I just started being bombarded with spirit coming with messages. And it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And really, I was on my knees surrendering, just going, okay, I give in, I give in. You just, you just tell me because I can't go back to where I was in my 20s. So just kind of lead me and I'm happy to serve. I'm happy to do whatever, but let's do this in a different way. Right. Um, so how do you protect yourself now um, from the negativity? Uh, I, I know people have different techniques. Some people like invoke white light. Other use prayer. I mean, some will use things like even like the, uh, some will use crystals. Some will use like a banishing ritual. I'm not that person. So I truly believe that if we walk in light, that we don't need protection. So this idea of protection is something 
I don't teach because I believe protection. If you think you need protection, then you're coming from a fear base. Right. I think in doing this work, you really can't come from a fear base. So it's confidence. No, I don't think no. it's confidence. I think it's, you know, I, when I'm teaching people, I say, if you walk in light, you're not going to attract. Like, I always give the example um, in, you know, Washington, D.C. There's some really bad parts in Washington, D.C. At three in the morning, I'm not going to go to Southeast D.C. and scream, hey, here I am, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, you're probably going to get mugged or beat up, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of the same thing. So if you walk in light, meaning you live your life right, you, you're kind, you're generous, you're loving, you come from a place of authenticity and love, you want to serve, um, you're just not going to attract that type of energy. Um, so that's where I, the protection and stuff... And, you know, if, if it serves other people, that's great. Whatever works for you is fantastic. But uh-huh. for me, I just don't feel like we need protection. Just, you know, walk in light and, and you'll attract those light beings who want to communicate. That's such a great analogy about the neighborhood. You know, it's like, <laughs> you just get, like, cause I've heard people describe their minds as a bad neighborhood before, you know, and like your protection or like what you do is you just keep yourself in a good neighborhood. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, people talk about vampire energy and, and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm sure it's out there. I had some bad experiences and, you know, maybe uh, I didn't have the, um, the training and maybe as you said, the confidence too. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really, I don't live in fear of, of my skills. I don't, I don't live in fear. I embrace it now. And, and, um, and I, I go on podcasts and stuff to share this message of let's move away from this fear of it. I really want to make it normal and mainstream that you can connect with your loved ones on the other side. You can talk to them. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned tarot cards and learning about when you, when you were young, like around 12. I'll say that's about when I started using them too. Um, and, and I didn't even study it. Like it was just something that I was, I was actually able to pick up and just use, even though I, I don't, cause I have like, I don't think I have any psychic ability at all, really. But, yeah. but, but, but with the cards, for some reason, it just works for me. I, I don't know if it's, it's just like I'm seeing um, synchronicities or something. Well, Gary, you're, you're probably pretty typical of a lot of students that I have. And, and when I start training students uh, to become a psychic and or a medium, I make them put down all their crutches. So if you're able to read tarot cards, you are psychic. Um, you can't, I mean, if you're opening up a book and reading from a book and saying, oh, you know, you have the fool and you're starting this great new journey and you're on the precipice and all, you know, if you're just reading from the mm-hmm. book, then that's not reading. And I, I see a lot of tarot cards uh, readers out there just kind of, they're, they're book study. Um, but it, it's more than that. And I think that you've built this relationship with the cards and we build relationships with, with our divination tools, right? Yeah. But you don't need them. Psychics and mediums, if you're a psychic or a medium, you need no tools whatsoever. It's just you. Mm-hmm. So Gary, I would say to you, I'd say, put the cards down and see what you get. Like, you know, maybe shuffle the cards and see what you get and share that. And you'll be surprised. 
then you'll do the reading and the same information comes through. You just maybe don't trust yourself yet. Uh, so maybe I just use the cards as confirmation. Yeah. And eventually you'll put the cards down. I, I always say to my psychics and mediums, I'm like, okay, let's say you're making an appearance or you're going and you're doing a festival. Let's say you forget your cards. What are you going to do? I mean, to me, you Run just... Run to the nearest bookstore? <laughs> well, you know, there's none open. And tarot cards are, are, you know, they're not sold in every bookstore. And, and you know, I'm a writer weight girl. So... Yeah, me too. That, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the original. Like, we, we're the diehard tarot people. So, um, uh, you know, a lot of times they may not have the writer weight. They may have some of the other decks. But you have that connection. And I have the connection from a very young age with the cards. And I'll still read tarot cards. I, I tend to do like uh, big group parties with tarot cards. It's a lot of fun. I think people just love seeing the cards and people seem to know a little bit about the cards too. So they yeah. like testing their own skills too. Right. Um, also, like, like you mentioned, one of the things that also that we have in common, we have two, two other things in common actually. Yeah. One is the family thing. Um, my mom used to have this old wives tale that if, if somebody in our family was born with like this piece of skin over their, their, their face, the call. that meant that they, were, they had some kind of psychic ability. The call. It's called the call. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called the call. C-A-U-L. I'll have to research. I didn't even know it was a real thing. I thought it was something my mom made up. No, she didn't make it up. And it's a very rare birth. Um, I had an unusual birth. Uh, could I say I had the call over my face? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that what my mom would have remembered either, but I had a very unusual birth. Hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I had that and she, my mom always told me like it meant something and she had it too when she was born. You both had the call? Yeah. That, that is a sign. Um, that's a, a very old sign uh, that you have abilities. And I absolutely believe it. It's, it's when you have part of the um, placenta over your face hmm. that they have to remove. It's kind of, it means that the veil's very thin with the two of you. Wow. See, I, I didn't even know that was a real thing. I just thought it was some kind of, I don't know, crazy stuff that came out of the, like central Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, no. The call is, is, is very real. It's very real. It's a sign. And it's such a rare birth, too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll have to Google it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to. And, and the other thing that you mentioned about seeing somebody, like, going across the field. Um, yeah. When I, after my grandmother passed away when I was a kid, I had a paper route. And I was doing my paper route. And all of a sudden, I just saw my – I was at a parking lot. And I just saw my grandmother – sort of floating across the parking lot. And she, she looked at me and waved and kept on going. That's beautiful. And, and I hear these stories every day. You know, we can communicate with our loved ones on the other side. I think what truly makes a medium is when they can connect with other people's relatives and friends. That's where mediumship really comes in. If you're getting your grandmother or grandfather or your relatives that's not really mediumship. That's mm -hmm. you being able to connect. And I believe we all can connect 
with our loved ones, uh, especially in dreams. You know, it's a really safe, comfortable place for spirit to come in and not scare the hell out of you. And I love those dreams. I, I'll have them and I actually... Um, when I go to sleep, I'm like, ooh, who wants to visit tonight, you know? <laughs> I love the dreams. I, I have a, a dear friend who passed many years ago. Um, it, so We had so much fun when he was alive. And he'll come in my dreams, and we're back having this wonderful time. And I'll look at him and say, but you're dead. And I wake up, and I'm like, why did I say that? Quit saying that. I want to spend more time with him. Right. Yeah, that happens to me, too. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Those are visits. I I firmly believe those are visits. How about with people that are still alive that show up in dreams? Do you think people like sort of connect through like an astral type of connection? I think there's a lot of ways that we can connect. And I know that, that you had touched on quantum physics and, you know, I'm a rank amateur at quantum physics, but I think that the quantum entanglement really explains everything where, you know, in the Higgs field, that's where we're all connected, right? Right. Then I think there are people who are more sensitive to tapping into maybe the Higgs field. I used to tell people when I do psychic readings, because I really don't know 100% how everything works. I always say, when I die, I'll come back and, you know, haunt you all and tell you how all (laughs) this works. (laughs) I'll come to everyone in their dreams. Um, But, uh, you know, Sometimes I think it's, it's am, am I just able to look at dimensions? So uh, when I get a sense, and you know, I'm not a fortune teller, but I get a sense of things that are coming in the future. And so I'm not sure if I'm just kind of, you know, peeking my head into a different dimension that, that is on a different plane that I can see. And I always say, you know, time is man-made. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not linear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm reading people, I can get something that happened to them yesterday and then something that happened to them when they were five years old. And people, when I'm reading them, they always want to put in this timeline. I'm like, no, time is not, it's, it's non-existent. It's man-made. You have to remember time is man-made. So um, tapping into that Higgs field or, or maybe being able to pop into different dimensions. But I think that quantum physics explains so much about what, psychics and mediums are able to do. I, I think it does too. I, I think the Higgs field, um, you know, the, the thing with the, the particle and the wave and right. the, the whole thing, um, like, like um, matter behaves differently when it's observed and when, rather than when it's not observed. So that means there's definitely a connection between matter and consciousness. And think about it we all come from the Big Bang. We are made of stardust, right? We are the universe. Every last one of us is the universe. And so in that Higgs field, you know, when one, when one spins, the other atoms spin, right? right? Well, it's the same thing, you know, but maybe there's people like me, and it sounds like you, who are able to tap into those fields. And for me, I was born this way, just like I, I always say, you know, just like somebody's born and they're great at baseball or somebody is great at playing the piano and they become a concert pianist. You just are born with these propensities and these abilities. And uh, maybe I'm just further along than other people having come in this way. Pretty cool. Um, have you ever had any like near-death experiences? 
it's funny. Um, I talked about that last night on another podcast with somebody that you know. Uh, I was with Angie in, in Australia. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So she did, she did a podcast on, on out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences. And, yes, I talked about um, the one that I had in 2005 uh, when I was undergoing a, a very, what became a very complicated and difficult surgery. Mm-hmm. Is that you want to hear more? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, so in 2005, um, I became very sick and uh, was rushed to the hospital um, where they found, you know, I had a massive infection in my intestines, but it was worse than that. This pain that I had been having on my left side was actually this, this big old tum- tumor sitting there that they didn't know what it was and it had to come out. But it couldn't be removed until they cleared up the massive infection that I had in my intestines. So it was, it was a tough time and especially, you know, having to be on antibiotics and just kind of waiting a month or so for uh, everything to clear up before you have surgery and they don't know what it is. Kind of scary time. Uh-huh. Anyway, so um, I went into surgery and uh, which was supposed to be not as complicated, but unfortunately where the massive tumor was, was between my, where my small and large intestines meet. So it became, cause you can't cut that area. So it became this incredibly difficult surgery that uh, I almost died after the surgery. I know that um, my pulse ox went down to 63 and they thought I had thrown a clot and stuff. So it became very dangerous. But um, during the surgery, I left my body. I looked down in the operating room and saw everyone. And then um, my mom and dad pulled up in a, in a black Edsel, um, like a 1940s Edsel. And um, my dad, they were alone. You know, they hadn't had kids yet, and they were young. Now, both my parents have passed. But they were back, and they were you know, the young couple madly in love and they were so happy. And uh, my dad got out of the car and he was wearing, he was in the Air Force, so he was wearing his uniform of the time with his, you know, the glasses that they give pilots, the aviator glasses. And he gets out and he goes out under the hood of the Edsel and looks under the hood and stuff. And I'm waving and screaming, hey, dad, hey, dad. You know, I'm so happy to see him. He's not talking to me, but he's acknowledging me, right? And then uh, I'm trying to get my mom's attention. I see her in the passenger seat, and she's wearing, you know, a scarf like Grace Kelly, and she's got her glasses on, and she's all young and beautiful. I'm trying to get her attention, but she's not acknowledging me, and I'm trying so hard. And then my, my dad closes the hood of the Edsel and gets back into the driver's side and waves to me. And, and you know, the next thing I woke up. So for me, I, I got to have that, that great experience with my parents, you know, them coming and telling me like, hey, we're, we're young and happy and life is great. And, and um, you know, we're here for you. We're here for you, like my dad being there. And in fact, last night when I was talking on another podcast, I never realized this, but um, the the host has, had said, well, looking under the hood, it was kind of that, hey, we're checking under the hood and everything's going to be okay. And I was like, wow, I never really connected with that, but that's that's really beautiful to to have that analogy of that of what my dad was doing. So yeah, I, I don't know if that was near death. I know that... Um, 
there's a great possibility that I died on the table, but mm -hmm. sometimes hospitals don't share they that don't information. They don't tell you, yeah. They don't tell you. And, and I've looked into my records and stuff, but um, they don't tell you that kind of stuff. And, and because of how I came out of that surgery with so many complications and in such dire straits that um, I do think something happened. And whether it was you know, an out-of-body experience, which I've had many of those, or if it was a near-death experience. But either way, for me, it was just this beautiful time uh, with my parents and then knowing how happy they are. I know my, my dad had a, a really bad heart attack once and, and he was gone for like a long time, like 10 minutes. And, wow. you know, and, and of course I'm like the weird son that's, you know, brave enough to ask, well, dad, yeah. what was it like, <laughs> you know, when you were dead? Yeah. And he's like, well, I didn't feel anything. And I was just, I was looking down on the table, watching them work on me. That it's so common. It's so common. I think most people, your dad may not want to tell you everything, but I bet there were decisions being made. Possibly. And then another thing is um, when he was sick and dying, um, you know, he was in and out of consciousness for, for quite a while. Right. And we put a baby monitor in the room. So, we, you know, in case we could hear him, like if he was in trouble or something, like go in, you know, give him medication or whatever. And, uh, he was constantly having conversations I with people that. that were passed away, like my mom and grandparents. And he was just talking all the time to people that were deceased. And, and I could, you could hear the conversations that these other people were trying to convince him, like, hey, it's okay, let go. Gary, that is so common, and I've had that myself, you know, in watching uh, people I know and family members pass. It's very common. I, I tell people, especially like the last maybe two weeks, three days, the veil gets very thin, right? The veil right. between this world and the next. And people do start coming through the veil to greet you. So I know with my own mother, her dad came to greet her. And then she kept seeing the man on the boat, on a you know boat, canoe, something with the light. The man with the light keeps coming. Well, you know, that's the man with the light saying it's time to go. Um, and then in readings that I've done, a lot of times I'll get who greets them. In fact, I did a reading two days ago and I said, I know your mom's mom greeted her the moment she crossed. And so you get a sense of, you know, who's on the other side greeting them. And so our, our relatives are always around us. But I think when the veil gets very thin, then we can start communicating with them readily. Interesting. Um, so I also, I had, you know, I belong to the tons of Facebook groups, you know, because I promote my podcast. And one day somebody messaged me and said they had a message. She asked me, does anybody call you, hey, Gar? And I was like, well, yeah, my mom did. And she goes, uh, well, your mom wants you to know just to keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, okay, you know, it's just Facebook Messenger. And then a couple of days later, I had a, another medium on my show. His name was Artie Hoffman. And he asked me, he goes, does number 21 mean anything to you? And I was like, well, it's my, my dad's birthday was the 21st. And he goes, well, your father says, well, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I'm like, okay, this is, this is kind of weird. So like a couple more days later, I'm interviewing somebody named Mark Ireland. 
and Mark um, basically certifies BDMs. Basically, he 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 tests them. Same here. Yeah. And um, and I told him about it. And I said, I said, you know, is there anything to that? And he's like, Oh yeah, that's that's a solid hit. <laughs> They're definitely with you. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up too because. I'll have people who, um, who who like doing a lot of readings with a lot of different people, right? And they'll call me and, and in the middle of the reading, they'll say, well, that's what the other psychic medium told me, or that's what five other psychic mediums told me. And I laugh and I'm like, well, how many mediums do you have to, you know, go to to get, but it, but it is. And I said, look, you're putting the same energy out there and, and your people are putting you know, they're flagging like, hey, we're here. And you may get different people coming in at different times. But it is kind of that validation, you know, of uh, getting those messages from two different mediums. That doesn't surprise me at all. That's like on point. And it really is, um, uh, you know, I really believe it's your dad. And I hope tonight that you have dreams about him. It's funny that you said 21 because I'm – uh, the other day, I kept having that number come up in a reading, which the the uh, um, client couldn't connect with. But twenty one has come up in my life every day now um, since the reading. Yesterday, it came up uh, in uh, watching a, a news show, and they said, "Well, you know, twenty one is all about um, change and and the angels." And I don't. I don't can't confirm that what with what this person was saying about that number number as a numerologist, mm-hmm. but uh, and now today you're saying the twenty first. I'm like, hmm, there's something interesting about that number ever mm-hmm. since saying it. Well, well, my father was born on June twenty first, which is like the uh, the you know the change of seasons, oh, the solstice, oh, the solstice. The, solstice. He was born on yeah. the on the summer solstice, the longest day. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know those happen on the 21st, and obviously um, 21 wins blackjack. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 That's, you know, when I was uh, really developing when I was younger, that was one of the things um, in playing cards because I'm a big poker player. And uh, I used to play poker with uh, my girlfriends from, from the parochial school that I went to. And there would be like 13 of us playing for pennies. And I get a certain feeling in my right arm and I know I'm going to win. And I, it still happens to this day when I'm playing cards or anytime something's coming up, I'm like, oh, I have that feeling in my right arm. I know this is going to happen. So when you don't have the feeling, then it's time to fold. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I had that feeling I walked into a racetrack. Um, everyone's going to think I'm a big gambler. I'm, I'm really not. But uh, I, do, I do like playing, playing games. And, and, but I walked into a racetrack and I had that feeling right as I walked in. And I said, oh, my God, this horse in the fifth is going to win. Walked right up and, and in bed and said a, a big $5 because I'm cheap um, and won. You know, so, and that's happened um, uh, a few times with the horses where people will call and say, hey, I'm going to the track tomorrow. Do you get any feelings? And uh, one of those happened when I was um, 15, 16 with my best friend. Uh, She said, hey, we're going to the track tomorrow. Everyone wants to know if you're getting anything. And I said, no, no, I'm not. But if, if I do, I'll let you know. 
So that in the middle of the night, I um, drew on a napkin, take me to the MD castle. And uh, so my best friend called and I said, yeah, you know, I wrote this down in the middle of the night, take me to the MD castle. And she said, there's, there's a horse running called Moonbright Satyr's Castle. And uh, what do you think? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, pay, place a $2 bet for me. Okay. Well, everybody knowing that I was a psychic um, bet on, on Sadar's castle and uh, the horse won by a long shot <laughs> and everybody won hundreds of dollars. Of course, me with the cheap $2 bet, um, <laughs> but everyone was like, and, and I didn't know that everyone had bet. So I was kind of like, everybody bet because I said that. So those were some of my younger days, you know, that confirmation that comes through. And then waking up in the middle of the night and writing that was just bizarre because I don't even remember writing it. Right. Interesting. Um, you know, actually, like, I think it was, it was last week, I was hanging out with some friends of mine. And one of them was like a, a trivia person. And I'm like the worst at trivia. Oh, I love trivia. And, and he asked, um, what was the, he's, uh, what was the first country to legalize euthanasia? You know, and, and I didn't know the answer. And I just made a Asia? guess. Asia? <laughs> no, it, it, I, I just said the Netherlands. And oh. I was right. Wow. Well, if they call it euthanasia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making a joke. <laughs> euthanasia, I get it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, Netherlands being the kinder, gentler, you know. Yeah, but that's, you know, I think that we have knowledge inside that we can access. I, uh, I talk about this a lot in, in Eastern philosophy, uh, in yoga and in, from the Hindu tradition, Hinduism tradition, that, uh, you know, in Eastern philosophies, they believe we're a seed that came down to earth, all knowing and, and completely capable of becoming what we're supposed to become because we're the seed who came to earth. Whereas in America, it's kind of that what Alan Watts calls this concrete world where, you know, it's that Christian Judea where we are created of, of something that God knows what it is, right? And that our parents made us and that, you know, they brought us forth or somebody brought us forth rather than being the seed. So when you have those things like, oh, the Netherlands, you have that deep-seated knowledge. It's just that I don't think we trust ourselves with that. Yeah, I think so, too. It's, it's um, trusting intuition. Absolutely. And, and I know f also for me, um, being still and being a little bit quiet yeah. also helps me, uh, I don't know, it helps my creativity, my intuition. You know, even when, I'm even when I'm doing interviews, if I just close my eyes and kind of, you know, slow myself down a little bit, it's like the next question just sort of naturally comes to me. Curious, it sounds like you're well on your way. It sounds like you're going to be putting down the cards. <laughs> you're going to just naturally be reading people. I do like to see people that, especially um, with some of these, you know, being born with the call, that maybe there's a calling for you beyond what you're doing now. Or maybe you're just going to use that intuition because I always say with my intuition, every decision I've made in my life is based on my intuition. Um, it'll always lead you the right way. 
I, you know, that's something I say all the time too, is, um, you know, as far as like my life decisions go, whenever I make, whenever a decision feels like a struggle or like something that I'm going to really have to work hard for, it's probably not the right way for me to go. When I just allow things to happen and just kind of go with where life wants me to go, things end up much better. Well, that, you know, that's so true. When we struggle, it's probably not our path. It's probably not right for us. When things flow, then we know it's right for us. You know, there are times where I'm like, oh, this, it's just too hard. It's not right for me. I'm sick of it. But living in that flow and then knowingly living in that flow, um, you know, living, living in the flow of life and living in the flow of nature. um, That's one thing I don't see as much people doing in the United States. You know, we, we really are in a battle with nature and it's, it's unfortunate that we're not flowing with it because nature is always going to win. Always. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some people like you mentioned, like in the United States, people in the United States, I think misinterpret that as being lazy. It's like, Oh, you're supposed to get up and fight every day. <laughs> yeah. But you know, when you're, you know, I always look at the words that I'm using, you know, the word fight, like I'm, I'm never in, uh, I know I work, I work a lot with people who are dealing with um, cancer and dis-ease mm-hmm. and I never talk about fighting cancer or anything because I don't want to be not in the flow of, right. so whatever comes, you know, it's a very Buddhist tradition to look at it too. When a, a Buddhist gets illness, they don't fight the illness. They don't fight the fever and, you know, starve a cold or whatever it is. They, they kind of sit still and go, what is this dis-ease bringing to me that I need to understand? And that's really living in the flow of things. So for me, I'm, I'm never fighting. I don't want to fight dis-ease. You want to... Mm-hmm flow with it and say, what's it, what's it teaching me? It's, it's, you know, is it going to become a part of me? And, and everyone I know who has gone through these really serious bouts of dis-ease, all of them come out and they're like, you know, I'm so grateful for what happened to me because I wouldn't be where I am now. Absolutely. Like all of these to me are lessons. Even, even what I went through because the, the surgery I had in 2005, I ended up having you know, three more surgeries and, and all of them complicated. And, but in looking at that, um, I wouldn't be where I am now. Like one of the things I, I understand, gave me a great understanding of is um, being still. And um, because I really couldn't for about a year and a half, I really couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't sit or stand for more than 10 or 15 minutes uh, because of these massive surgeries that I had in my abdomen. But it, it, it teaches you and then it gives you such great compassion for other people who are dealing with things. So for me, when people are having issues and, and they come to me for Reiki, um, right away I can, I have that empathy and, and, and that understanding that they're afraid and they're hurting and cause you know, you've been there. Yeah. 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 And, and, and there's a certain healing I think that takes place 
when you accept pain. You know, I, I mentioned it, I, I wrote a book and in the book I, I tell a story about, you know, like when my, my first wife left me and, and I was constantly sulking about it, you know. And one day I was sulking about it and I was at my friend's house and we were playing guitar and afterwards we're like smoking and eating, smoking cigarettes and eating pizza. And he's like, dude, why don't you just go home and, and just let the pain just wash over you. Like, like just let completely take you over. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I did that. I woke, next day I woke up and I felt like a brand new person. Yeah, when you release things, you know, that's, that's um, one of the things I, I talk a lot about, especially with Reiki, is when we have these stressors. So you had the stress of going through divorce and, and it's horrible, you know, going through those deeply painful times. But if you let this come into your auric field, you know, that energy field that we have around us, that's where dis-ease starts coming in, right? So we want to make sure that we purge ourselves of these things, you know, purge yourself of that pain or, and, and by going through it, not mm -hmm. by resisting it. What you resist, you know, it's going to persist. So it's flowing and moving through that and then releasing it so it's not in your aura and it's not going to penetrate then the physical body to cause pain. You know, the, the tumor that I had, I know I created it. I know I did. I was under such stress at the time and I, I'm surprised I didn't have, you know, worse things, right? So it really taught me I've got to let go of so much. I've just got to let go and, and, and live in the flow. Is that kind of like what happened to you, you know, between the time that you stopped reading and the time that you started reading again? Um, no, I never stopped reading. I just stopped reading professionally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hang a shingle or anything. Um, <laughs> but I still read people, you know, I, I would turn and I'd, I would just tell people why well, I get stuff. I tell them things and they'd be like, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I, I get stuff rather than saying, oh, I'm a psychic medium. And cause it just wasn't readily accepted. Like I, I had gone through so much when I was a kid, um, growing up because I was so different in, uh, having these abilities and people call me a witch. I mean, it was in, and I, don't, I wouldn't mind being called a witch today. I'd be like, Hey, go witches. They're so <laughs> powerful. You know, I love it. But in, um, but you know, back then it was people make fun of me and it still happens today. Some with some of my friends, they make fun of me, but then when they want to know something, they kind of pull me aside and go, Hey, can you help me out here? And then they make fun of me in front of other people. And I'm like, okay, that's, it's their thing. They, they don't want to be thought of as weird. And for me, I'm like, I just fully embrace who I am. So when I was going through these really painful times, I think that was my time to get really quiet and to really um, connect in with being very quiet. And it really came towards the end because I, I dealt with the tumors and surgeries from 2005 to like 2010. So, um, and it was, it was after that. And I, I actually received this really weird message one night. I was sitting in my bedroom and um, they said, it's coming. You know, I'm like, what? What's, what's coming? <laughs> Who are you and what's coming? <laughs> and they said something wonderful. And I thought, Oh, and immediately, you know, my, my concrete mind thought, oh, money, 
money's, you know, isn't that human? Isn't that what we do? Like everything's connected to like finances and stuff. And, uh, and I realized that something wonderful didn't seem so wonderful when it came, but, you know, going into the flow and, and surrendering myself back to this work really has been something wonderful for me because I feel it really is life purpose. And I had to struggle through these times. And I was very lucky. I, I connected with a lot of mediums in the trainings that I went to. I always say I didn't get much out of the trainings, but I got a lot out of the people that I met. And I'm still in touch with all these incredible mediums. And when I have a bad day or something's going on, these are the people I reach out to. And these are the people I'm like, hey, you know, I'm having a tough time or whatever. So um, I don't know where I'm leading with this, but just that something wonderful ended up being this coming back to the life purpose and in, in doing so in a way where I had love and support from other people who are like me. And even that bad experience that I had, I had this beautiful medium kind of walk me through this what happened and in kind of explain what she thinks happened and I really got to release it and I was like wow I wish I had you you know 30 40 years ago wow yeah so so so, so this it was like almost like a second chance with somebody to help you along yes and and that's what I think a, a lot of us are doing that isn't that what we're all here to do just kind of help each other along I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I always say, you know, when we all have our spiritual awakenings, we all have these, and maybe some don't, you know, some you just kind of go, okay, they're going to sleep through this lifetime. And that's okay. Maybe that's what they're meant to do. Mm-hmm. But when you have these huge spiritual awakenings, you know, they don't come with, oh, isn't this wonderful? They come with, okay, you're, you know, your whole life is going to change and you're going to lose all your friends and people are going to think you're weird and, you know, but then you meet up with these other wonderful people. And I've been very fortunate again. I always say, you know, I went to all those trainings because I was meant to meet the people that I met. It wasn't about the people teaching the classes. It was about the people that I met. Interesting. Yeah. You know, that's, that's another thing too is um you know the the right people always seem to show up at the right time if you if you just kind of pay attention abs i i truly believe that i truly believe that and especially when you sit back and trust i think gary you and i are a lot alike in that we do trust our intuition and to me when i'm trying to make a decision i kind of say you know what it'll just come it'll just come and, and I'll make the right decision and, and I'll, you know, whatever's meant to be will be, it all turns out the way it's supposed to. Right. And, and when that happens, you do start living without fear. So true. So true. And you know, when you're out of fear, where do you go? You go to love. So the opposite of fear is love. And so you start living this life that's much more fulfilling and much more loving. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Like, like, like I don't even worry about like the bad things that could happen to me anymore. It's just kind of like, you know, whatever happens is supposed to happen. You know, my job is just to be present. <laughs> exactly. And that being present, that, that's everything. 
That is, that hits the nail on the head, being present, because when you're present, you're not worried about the future, you're not regretting the past, right? You're not thinking about those things at all. Of course, we want those learning, you know, from your, from your past, you want to learn and continue to grow. But being present, I think of anything in life that's the most important thing we need to learn is how to be present. Yeah. Like even now, like when I reflect like on these really painful things that I've experienced in my life, um, I mean, at the time they felt like really harsh, you know, but now I look back at it and it's just like life was just sort of gently nudging me in the direction that I was supposed to be going. Or hitting you over the head. (laughs) I always, I always say that, you know, the, the, the universe gently taps you. And then the universe then kind of gives you a little shake. And when you're not listening, then the universe sends a two by four and says, okay, wake up. Yeah, I stay away from that two by four now. <laughs> I, I prefer to just indulge. <laughs> well, because you listen now, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, now, when, now when the universe taps on our shoulder, we go, we're here. We're listening. Instead of waiting for that two by four, I, I have a funny story about the two by four. Funny as in, you know, odd. It's not funny, but um, one of my good friends, uh, you know, she had these desires. She said, you know what? I really want a new car and I, I really want to retire. I don't want to work anymore. I'm really tired of these things and stuff. And this is what she was manifesting, right? And unfortunately, she got into this terrible accident and, uh, so um, she injured her head, and now she no longer works, so she's on disability, and uh, she has a new car out of the accident. And I'm always like, you know, be careful how you're asking for things, right? Always say, like, you want these things. These are the things that you desire, but say with grace and ease. So it's kind of those, you know, the universe sent her a two-by-four, unfortunately. <laughs> but, but she's in like, you know, it, this was years ago and now she's in a place where, you know, she's understanding more about what happened uh, to her. But I, when we're manifesting, it's always like, be careful how you manifest. You know, the universe will conspire to give you what you want, but it may not come in the way that you want it. <laughs> that, that, that's what always has scared me about prayer in some ways. Like, so, you know, like, like people always say, oh, just pray for something and you'll get it. And, you know, and I've always kind of avoided that. Like if I, I, I mean, I'm not really a big person on prayer anyway, but if I'm going to pray or do something like that, it's just going to be for the universe to do whatever it's supposed to do and help people get through it rather than asking for any type of specific thing. And, um, you know, because what is that? You know, there was, I used to hear a saying, I don't hear it much anymore, but be careful what you ask for because you might get it. Well, it's true. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to introduce fear into this, right? I don't want people to hear this and then go, well, I'm not asking for anything anymore. It's just right. kind of how you're asking and the intention, you know, mm-hmm. intention, if we look at our laws, you know, intention is everything, you know, whether it's, whether it's murder or manslaughter, is what was the intention of the person, right? So intention is everything. So when, you're, when you want something, these desires, which if you're being present and you're practicing, you really shouldn't have desires, 
really. If you're, if you're that present yeah. of a person, then you I don't agree. want these materialistic things. But sometimes, you know, to get through life, we have to have certain things. You want, you want to have safety, shelter, things like that. But it is when you're, when you're looking at these manifesting, just do it in a way that maybe is, okay, I want to be present about this. And I want everything, I always say, with grace and ease and no pain. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's a good way to, to work around that. Yeah, with grace and ease and no pain. <laughs> we as humans, like, we hate that pain stuff, right? I do. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's natural to, to hate that pain stuff. But sometimes, you know, pain moves you forward. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've learned how to deal with it. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, so how about the healing part? Like I know you do a lot of like Reiki and energy healing. Um, I think it walks hand in hand with what I do. Cause I think I do readings for healing. Um, most of the messages that I'm delivering from the other side are all about healing. And so Reiki is just another facet of healing for me. It's that universal life force energy. I always liken it to, you know, Star Wars and the force. So it's just you placing the force on somebody and asking the universe to bring in that life force energy for healing. I think anybody can do it. I think we're all healers. Um, I think deep down inside everyone has that, that ability to heal themselves and to help heal other people. But Reiki, Reiki is just another aspect for me for healing because everything I do, I think is about healing, whether it's, you know, doing an astrology chart or a tarot card reading or doing, you know, mediumship psychic or Reiki for me, it all walks hand in hand because it's about moving people forward in healing and maybe giving them, a different way of looking at things and maybe giving them a, a different perspective that's not so, uh, you know, concrete of the concrete world. Right. Because like I've had, like, you know, I was attuned like to Reiki and, um, you know, I had, you know, I paid like a hundred bucks for it and, and it, was a, it was a long time ago. And now I kind of look back and I'm like, well, is it really any different than, giving a person a hug or smiling at them and to make them feel better. You know what I mean? So here's where I think it's probably different. So when, when we hug and smile at them and stuff, we're sharing our own energy. And when you're channeling Reiki, you're actually channeling. So you're plugging in your Wi-Fi, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're tuning into that dial, that FM dial of that life force energy and asking it to be placed on this person. Whereas when you're smiling and hugging, it's fantastic, but it's your energy. When you're doing energy healing, it's, it's not you, it's not your energy. I also do um, trans sessions. So as a trans medium, you can do trans healing. And that's when I'm asking spirit to come in to be that life force energy, to give that healing from their energies. So there's different ways of healing. Um, and at different times, different things are appropriate. But I also think, you know, you were attuned to Reiki and you can do Reiki on yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the beautiful things. And for me, like you went through probably Reiki one to be attuned, which, oh, by the way, really wakes you up intuitively and psychically. 
people, sometimes it freaks them out how intuitive and psychic they become afterwards. But I think it just kind of opens up this big channel that um, is very helpful. Uh, when I'm teaching my psychics and mediums, I always encourage them to do at least Reiki 1 so that they can have that big boost of uh, intuition. But um, anyway, with, with uh, Reiki and healing, I think it's just, um, you know, different ways of healing. Interesting. Because um, I guess the thing that, 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 that I guess I question is like, like you know, did channeling energy and you said like if one channeling energy and the other one's giving them my energy. Um, but sometimes I think lately, like my energy isn't even mine. <laughs> it doesn't even belong to me. Ooh, let's talk about that. Who does it belong to? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you, it comes from. So you feel like when you're channeling energy, so is this an intentional act or not intentional? Uh, you know, unintentional. I mean, I mean, I always just kind of feel like my own energy is really not my own. Or even like, like when I, like, see, for instance, I play guitar. I never really feel like it's me playing the guitar. Ooh, interesting. Ooh, we should take you through a trance session. That would be, trance session. That would be fun. <laughs> you, you might, Gary, how you're talking to me leads me to believe that you probably have more abilities than you're aware of. So you, you might want to look at some of that because, you know, there may be a way for you to serve too um, in, in a different capacity. I mean, aside from this, because this is a great way to share, right? Podcasts are a great way to share our knowledge. And, but if you don't think your energy is yours, then to me, I'd be saying, okay, well, who's around you? Because it sounds like Maybe somebody's trying to channel through you, and I'd want to connect with who's, who's that person that's, or, or entity or whatever that is trying to channel through me. You're the first person I've ever heard say, my energy is not my own. I don't know. I just think it belongs to the universe. I think that's beautiful. I mean, I, you, I, mean, I don't think, I, you know, there, there's no, I, I can't claim ownership over it. I think that's great. Then, then you might want to look at how, how maybe you can use this in other ways for other people. If you're playing the guitar and it's not you, because I, I play the guitar very poorly, but I play the guitar too. And when I'm playing, I can get in a Zen place, you know, where you're yeah. not conscious of it, but I know it's still me. I know it's still me, the one strumming. Um, but there are times when I do readings you know, I'm not there. I'm, I'm, I'm halfway to the other side. And so my, yeah, my energy shifts and change there. Definitely. I think it's something you should explore. I, I would strongly encourage you to explore more about what you're doing. Yeah. But I, I, you know, it, that's like a weird thing too. It's like, I don't even really know what I'm doing. I, I, I just do it. You know, even like starting this podcast, I was taking a shower one day and I said, yeah, I'll just start a podcast, <laughs> you know, and I did it. I just, because it pops in, you know, like I, I know automatically, you know, which thoughts to, to go forward with and which ones not, like sometimes I have to learn a hard way, but. 
I would definitely say you're psychic. You know, um, I don't know if you, if you read much on my website, but one of the things, so before I do readings for the day, I'm in the shower. And when we're in the shower, like we're pretty zen, right? I'm very zen for me. Yeah, it's very zen, warm water. It's all good. And that's when spirit starts popping in. That's when it's like, and I'll be like, okay, you're for which one? Okay, you're for that reading? Okay, thanks. And then I'm like, hold your energy. I'll, I'll call you back. <laughs> and I start getting these images and stuff. But if you're getting those things in the shower, it's because your mind is quiet. And you said you like to get your mind quiet. And in those yeah. times, things come. So for me, I'd say maybe get start getting more quiet longer and, and see what comes. But I agree too. Like right now, I know for me, there's a huge shift happening in the work that I'll be doing. And, and I can see it and feel it. And being on these uh, podcasts, I think I'm watching the work shifting and changing because I think the messaging is more about, you know, helping humanity you know, getting out there and helping and maybe helping people not be fearful and maybe tapping into more of their own intuition and tapping into their own psychic abilities. Cause we all have this. Yeah. We, we, we all have these abilities, but it's just, you know, especially in the United States, we're just not brought up in a very spiritual way. I mean, spiritual meaning like I think in, in Christian Judeo type of religions, it's, you know, it's, it's the, um, I'm your king and here you are and you're my subjects and you do what I say. Whereas spiritual is just kind of, I'm doing my thing and tapping in. And, you know, I look at the uh, Gnostic Catholics and I I really, uh, that resonated with me, the Gnostics, because, um, you know, Mary, who was a Gnostic, said, you don't need priests. You don't need anybody to help you connect with the divine. It's something that you do directly. So with that, I really connect with that. And that to me is spirituality. It's, it's connecting with that, the universe or the divine or whatever you want to call. And what I call the universe is, you know, the stardust that we're all made of. But it really is that Higgs field where we're all one. We are the universe. We are the divine. We are source. Right. And, and, and I think because of that, that's one of the reasons why I, I don't think, I don't take ownership over my own energy, really. You know, you know I'm going to, I'm going to leave this podcast and I'm going to think about that one for a long time. <laughs> I'm going to really analyze that one because that's the first time I've ever heard somebody say that. And I've, I've trained a lot of people in Reiki. I've trained a lot of people to be psychic mediums and stuff. So it's interesting talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, you, you, you really bring a lot to the table. And I love it when people uh, help me with a paradigm shift. You know, maybe you'll help me shift and change. And now I'm going to think about energy and really where is it coming from and is it me? And yes. And, and then in the long run, I'll go, be present, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter in the long run. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, how about, do, do you think, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people, a lot of people I interview talk about ascension and, and people being in different uh, vibratory states. Uh, what do you think on that, of that subject? Um. 
the first thing I would probably say is when we talk about ascension and people's energy, it's like, you're, I'm a high vibration, you're a low vibration. I don't like that because I think we're really getting into ego there. Yeah, yeah, because you're bumming out the people that... Exactly. You're, you know? you're, bumming out, you're bumming out those, you know, energy vampires. Yeah, right? and making it even worse. I, I agree. I agree completely. When I'm teaching, I say, look, we're on different vibrations. It doesn't mean I'm better and you're here. And, but I do think when, when humans talk about it, when, I, when I've listened to lectures and stuff, I do think ego comes in there. Oh, and I yeah. think we have to, you know, when you get into ego, then you know you're a low vibration. I'm just kidding. Um, but the ascension is all about, you know, moving from the third dimension where we're all, you know, animals and fighting and it's horrible into like the fifth dimension and the sixth and the whatever. Um, I have had messages in my life, you know, I had this, the same one where something wonderful is coming. I had, are you ready to ascend? And I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so, so to me, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I've had dreams about being in the 33rd dimension and it, that was interesting because it ties into Buddhism. And, but when you look at all of this, it's like, what does it matter? You know, if, if we're going to the fifth dimension, if we're, if we're heading towards that age of Aquarius, because isn't that where we want to be love, peace, harmony, like the 1960s. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm a child of the 1960. I was born in 1960. So I'm like, I was born at the exact perfect time for the life that I'm living, right? right. But I, I think it's all about going to love. And if you talk about ascending, if you can look at your fellow human being and see yourself and empathize and sympathize and love them, then you're ascending. And then you're in the fifth dimension. And that's what I think it's about. I, I, I think every great person that humans have considered great, like Jesus and Muhammad and, and Buddha and all these wonderful ascend, ascended masters, as they call them, um, all they teach about is love. Love is the answer, like love, 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 love. And so, and sometimes it's really hard, you know, to look at somebody you can't stand and to really open up that heart and to have love and compassion for them and to, to really feel it. And yeah. because sometimes you just want to slap the shit out of people, right? <laughs> and, and how do you, you know, and that's where I think we are in uh, the world today too, especially in the United States, that it's so contentious right now because people, we aren't talking about love. We're not, we're not talking about love and compassion and, you know, it, it's it's horrible some of the things that that we're going through right now but i think we're going through them too yeah to maybe have us start ascending so like, like that kind of brings me right back to that energy the, the this whole energy thing if my if my vibration is not mine that means other people's vibrations are not theirs it's just all vibration so so to judge it or or to, um do anything with it really is not my choice. You know, Nikolai Tesla. Or, or, or other people's choice. 
And then the other thing that you mentioned too is like, you know, you, like you mentioned, like you see somebody you want to slap the shit out of them, you know, right? <laughs> Hopefully like, not. And, that, and, I've had, and I've had this happen to me though, like, like where I've felt like that with people, and I just want to mess up, I want to slap the shit, you know, I want to, right. <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and they're like, yeah, I want to do the same thing to you too. And it's like, then, oh, oh, that's cool. We both want to do the same thing. <laughs> and then, then life kind of just goes on. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you find a level of so you both acknowledge something and then then have you ever met somebody and you can't stand each other when you meet them and then you become the best friends yeah yeah i think sometimes you know you, you just gotta practice that compassion we you were talking about vibration and i always go to nikolai tesla and i have to say his name because i was talking about tesla and somebody thought i was talking about elon musk's company <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no. So now I'm like, okay. Um, he fascinates me when we share a birthday. So he always fascinates me with that. But he talked about vibration. He said, if you understand three, six, and nine, and you understand vibration, you unlock the key to the universe. And believe me, I like, I'm always like three, six, and nine. You know, as a numerologist, I'm like, okay, I understand that. But I'm you know, it's one of those questions that for the rest of my life, I'll be like, couldn't you have written a book? Couldn't you have written down? And apparently he did, but it was stolen. But I'm like, I wish I had access to his books about yeah. what he meant about vibration and three, six, and nine. It's one of those things, you know, that can it, it drive you nuts, you know, <laughs> you the know, rest I, of you. I had a, I, in fact, I just posted the episode last night of somebody I interviewed and he he came up with this thing called 108. And I'm like, on, and I'm, like I'm like, well, okay, 108. But but he had this really cool explanation for it. I said, well, what's your explanation for 108? He goes, Well, um, when you're meditating, you're just one. The zero is the emptiness of thought, and eight is infinity. I don't think that's an original thought. And I was like, I, I never out there that's out there is it yeah that's out there 108 is a sacred number in uh, many different philosophies in in buddhism and hinduism and uh uh yeah it's and and he's spot on it's all about the infinity and our connection to infinity i've i've heard people say that before and it's not to say that that it's not uh -huh. original to him I've just heard that before. When you when you uh, practice japa meditation, which is um, doing mantras, saying these little like prayers, for lack of a better word, on beads, prayer beads, yeah. uh, on a mala that you do a uh, hundred and eight. So everything. That's right. I never thought of a hundred and eight mala right. beads. <laughs> right. Well, everything's divisible by nine. Nine is a sacred number. Uh -huh. So, and three is a sacred number, and six is probably a sacred number too. But I don't know in in what uh, you know what philosophy it is. Mm. But yeah, one hundred and eight is a sacred number. Have you ever died? Since you were tarot cards, I would assume that you've probably at least read a little bit about like Kabbalah and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. People say, wow, you do a lot of stuff. And I'm like, no, I really don't. I stay in my lane. Reiki might be, but I think Reiki is healing. But if you look at psychic mediumship, it walks hand in hand with tarot, which walks hand in hand with numerology, which walks hand in hand with astrology, and, and which walks hand in hand with Kabbalah, right? So right. all of them, but I'm not out there preaching about Kabbalah. It's right. just 
something that you have and you have an understanding about the tree of life and, and the sacred numbers and stuff. But um, all of them, that's kind of my lane. That's kind of, I don't really want to stray outside of that because that's where I'm called to. So you read tarot cards. So you, and especially having done it so long, you, you probably naturally have an inclination towards numbers and towards astrology because mm -hmm. they're all based on each other. Yes. You still there? I'm still here. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably more, more so though Kabbalah because I've done more reading on Kabbalah. So, you know, my my foundation is probably more related to the Tree of Life in the Hebrew letters. Mm-hmm. The sacred letters. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever see the um, movie? Since you're a Kabbalist, um, oh, what is it called? I'll have to send you the link. I can't think of it right now, but it was a, a movie about a spelling bee and it had Richard Gere in it. And it was all about, um, you know, they, they, in Kabbalah, they believe that there are certain people who can chant the sacred words, right? And mm -hmm. connect with the divine through the sacred words. I'll have to send you that link. Cause I think you would find that movie really fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I wish I could think of it. I, it's about a spelling bee and it has Richard Gere, Gere in it. And it's about his daughter who's able to spell anything, but he is a, um, a, I think he's a rabbi and tries to get her, thinks she can chant these sacred words that will connect with the divine. And, you know, maybe the heavens will open up and swallow him. I don't know. <laughs> he wanted to connect, but it, I found it philosophically uh, just fascinating, especially about Kabbalah. Interesting. Um, so how about the astrology charts? Um, I, I did have an astrologer, um, somebody do a chart on me when I first started the podcast. And I was really surprised, honestly, at how accurate she was. Do you think um, our, our date, time, and place of birth really does affect who we are? If you think about it, and I guess it depends on how you think. So, you know, my belief is we're floating around somewhere because we're spirit, right? Spirit never dies. Energy never dies. So we're floating around. Earth has got a vibration where we learn things that we're supposed to learn, or maybe we come down and uh, to help others. Maybe that like, this lifetime is about helping others. Um, but you pick all of that. You pick your parents and you mm -hmm. pick where you want to be born and where you want to grow up. So for me, as I say, it's your blueprint. You created it. I had nothing to do with the creation of your blueprint. So it really is an insight into yourself and, and, and the karma. So we're talking karma and karma means action. It doesn't, you know, everybody who talks, oh, they're going to have bad karma. No, karma just simply means action. What are the actions you're going to take and learn in this lifetime? And so for me, I normally do more soul purpose charts. Why'd you come down here? Because your birth chart will tell me that. Why'd you come down to this incarnation? And what do you want to get out of the karma from this lifetime? So I think they're very important into, it's kind of a window into understanding who you are. You know, when I'm doing readings, especially psychic readings, a lot of times people say, tell me my soul's purpose. Soul's purpose. 
it's not my job to do that, right? I could look at you, Gary, and say, your life purpose is to, you know, do this podcast and next you're going to be the most famous psychic ever, right? Um, but I think that's for you to discover. That, you yeah. know, it all should come, like I believe we're that seed and it all should come from us. And so with that, I, I think people need to look at the life purpose for themselves. And I think there's things that, you know, we shouldn't be telling people, even if we get it, uh, even if we understand what their life purpose is, you may want to give some inclination, but you don't want to say, oh, you're going to do this, this, and this. Like that, I think that takes away from free will. So for me, when people say, what, what's my life purpose here? Well, take a look at your, your numbers. Start looking at your numerology, which I practice a form of numerology that I think is even more accurate, a little bit, maybe by 5 or 10% over astrology. But again, you know, numbers in astrology, they all, they all walk hand in hand. But I do think having your chart done, especially a soul chart, um, where you're looking at various parts of the chart, uh, in, in having this understanding of why you're here. I mean, for my own chart, like the, the marks of <laughs> being a psychic medium and being the teacher and all of that is all in my chart. And, and even when I was born and the sign I was born under. So mm. are, you, um, are you a water sign? No, I'm a Capricorn. My birthday is December 30th, 1967. You're my, you're my fun sign. like we could go out and party party we won't understand each other but we will have so much fun together i'm a cancer Mm -hmm. that's what my mom was oh that doesn't surprise me it was i was at a um one of these trainings you know psychic mediumship training uh up in omega years ago and uh everyone at the table, we were all talking and I said, yeah, you know, psychics and mediums are all born under water signs. So you're either uh, Pisces, Cancer or Scorpio and Cancer's being the best receivers, Scorpio's being the best senders and Pisces just kind of being way out there. And they said, now we don't believe it. So at this table of 13 of us having lunch, I said, go around, let's do our signs. And every last one of us was Cancer, Scorpio or Pisces. (laughs) So to me, like that, in looking at your chart, normally when I, when I meet another medium, a psychic, they're going to have those strong inclinations. They're going to have a lot, you know, my, um, uh, my moon is in Pisces. So you start looking at, you know, beyond just what your sun sign is. So you probably have other things in your chart with Capricorn and you know, Capricorns, you're going to make money in spite of yourself. You can't help yourself. Uh, you know, I, I would say like, that's probably one thing that about me is different is, um, I don't know, the, the less I focus on making money. <laughs> the more you do. Yeah. Yeah. At least, again, it was like the, the less I try, the better it works out. Well, because you're in the flow. Um, but one of the things that, that this surprised me is like, like Cap, cause Capricorn is an earth sign. Right. I, I wouldn't think I would be so intuitive, but on my chart, what she nailed was what really surprised me was about how rebellious I was, <laughs> you know, she's like, it has something to do with the planet. I think Uranus and, right. um, and, and where it was and, you know, and, and, and like she was just so on with that because, you know, as growing up as a kid, like I was a kid that never wanted to go to school. All I did was like 
hang out to sm- at the mall and, and, and smoke pot and get in trouble. Well, you were a mall rat. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, you were a mall rat. And, and yeah, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to conform to anything. <laughs> well, I think that people who are, you know, of this realm, the psychics, the intuitives, the mediums and stuff, I, I think we're all rebellious, right? We had to rebel against society to be who we're supposed to be. You know, society doesn't go, oh, we love our psychic mediums and believe in them. Yeah, come on over. Let's talk to the dead. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, people certainly like the Oracle of Delphi. Well, and yeah, um, you know, a lot of people think the Oracle of Delphi was um, that there were gases that were coming up that kind of made whichever Oracle, um, you know, high mm-hmm. <laughs> just, and just waxing poetic, I guess, up in, uh, on the stage. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, well, Socrates sought out the Oracle of Delphi. Yes. Yeah. But I think that they trusted in the wisdom base and also astrology. It was really strong. If you look at, um, uh, Greek and Roman and Babylonian times. One of the forms of astrology that I actually um, formally studied and certified in, you know, studied for over a year and then took a test to certify in is Hellenistic. And I did it because it's one of the oldest forms of astrology. And um, Chris Brennan went back in 1995 and, you know, he wrote a book about Hellenistic astrology because a lot of information has been missing from Babylonian times and, and these uh, ancient times. So studying that, it's very different than Western tropical. Um, but it's the, uh, I wanted to study astrology. I wanted to study the astrology that the, that the three wise men used to find Jesus. Uh-huh. So that's what called me to Hellenistic. I didn't even know they used astrology to find Jesus. They did. The three wise men were three astrologers. Ah, so they weren't kings. Well, I'm sure that they were kings, but, you know, astrology, astrology used to be part of the church. Think about that. Yeah, astrology has been around for a very long time, been used for a very long time. You know, if we look at astrology now and what brought in this pandemic, like for four years, all of the astrologers were talking about Saturn and Pluto conjuncting Capricorn <laughs> and... <laughs> And what a massive, you know, shit show this was going to be that, you know, when, when uh, Saturn and uh, Pluto conjunct, which happens about every 20 or so years, you get these major upheavals and pandemics, number mm-hmm. one, um, and uh, um, financial strife and, and just these explosions of things happening. So we've been talking about 2020 for years and how brace yourself because it's coming and 2020 is going to be a year like we've never seen. And that's exactly what happened. And for me, I started blogging about this in, um, on my website saying what was coming about these huge financial, you know, that these institutions, financial institutions will crumble. And we're, we're watching that 
right now. You know, you're looking at the airline struggling, and I don't know how the stock market's staying afloat with everything that's going on. <laughs> it's make believe. <laughs> I, I yeah, I'm sitting there going, how is you know somebody is holding up the stock market? I I just have no idea how this is happening, but but everything we've talked about, and and then we have uh, Saturn and Pluto conjunct one more time, <laughs> and and then. Um, they don't conjunct again until, you know, well into 20 or 20 plus years. So we have one more round of, of uh, hell to go through, which might be, you know, the pandemic getting worse. It might uh -huh. be about, I, I definitely ping on the uh, election that, um, you know, in reading the charts that there's the person who wins is going to be the kinder, gentler, because, we have a lot of movement, especially Saturn and, and Jupiter moving into Aquarius. So we have that Aquarian energy coming in, which is that peace, love, and harmony coming in. So it leads me to believe the kinder, gentler person will win the election. But we also have in um, the middle of November, you know, this big upheaval. So I'm like, okay, is that about the election? Is it going to be contested? But I know on on January 19th and the in the solstice too we have some calmer energy coming in at the winter solstice on December 21st hmm. it, it kind of makes sense because because what I've been thinking you know I, I'm not really talking politics but yeah I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like it, it, that probably after the election no matter who wins there's right. going to be a rough period between that time and the time that the new president is instated I really, I think the, the winter solstice is, it, it, I think it's a time for us to celebrate because I think, I think that's when things are just really going to start chilling out. There's a lot of planetary movements um, going on that I, I will help tremendously. Yeah. But, but I, I um, you know, I think the pandemic is, is probably going to, and we see it already, it's flaring up, I think, with the flu. I, I think we're going to see a lot of suffering. Unfortunately, you know, people and, and people have asked me because part of this is when when I look at astrology, I can't help but the psychic part come in, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the psychic part's always going to come in for me. Um, I used to have my chart done, and as they would read my chart, I would say, "Oh, I'll be doing this, I'll be doing that," and write it down. And so it was an easy way for me to read myself. Um, but I. Uh, yeah, we've, we're going to go through some more stuff. I, I hate to say it, and, and I don't think we'll be out of the pandemic, you know, well into like the middle of 2022. 2023 is when I get, we'll be back to a new normal. It won't be normal. It'll be, you know, it's going to be like after 9-11. We had to find mm -hmm. that new normal. Like things never went back to how they were before. Like everything changed, and now you get patted down and stuff at the airport and have to prove who you are and all of these things put in place. So um, I, I think we'll see a very different world and, and maybe, maybe it needed to happen. Possibly. I mean, I'm sure it had to happen because otherwise it wouldn't happen. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't really question those types of things. Yeah. But I, you know, I look at everything and it's like, what is it here to teach us? Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I hope we don't have to wait till 2023 to go to a rock concert. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a long time without a concert or a play. 
I agree. I think that the the not being social. I'm uh, my my husband is. I call him COVID strong, because uh, you know he's happy as a pig in slop being home. Like if he never had to go out again, he'd be just fine. Um, he's got you know his friends and stuff, but it's not like me. I'm I'm like little social butterfly. I'm go and see and do and big crowds and who can we see and all of that. So for me, it's been, um, it's been a practice of uh, cutting down a lot socially. Yeah, like I missed the concerts and stuff, but I actually like everything else has stayed exactly the same for me. So as you're COVID as, strong. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I have work and I mean, yeah. uh, but, but I also think I had it in January. So well, you're not immune. You're you're probably not immune. I I um, I talked to my doctor. I actually went to the doctor at the height of when I was sick at the end of February, and there was something wrong with my right lower lung. And she was listening to it, and she said, "You you you know, you're snap crackling and popping." And I said, "Yeah, I don't know what's going on there." And when I saw her recently, she thinks I had COVID too, um, but it doesn't mean we're immune. I don't know. I haven't caught it again. Well, how much have you been out? It sounds like you're. I I, I, I work in a in a um, grocery store. So. Oh my god! So, and, 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 and actually, like most of, for most of the summer, I was doing sanitation, so I was touching everything. Wow! Wow! So, like, you, you probably have a great immune system too. Well, that's, that's why I'm pretty sure I had it because one, I never get sick, and. In January, all of a sudden, I had like 105 fever, which has never happened to me before. Wow. And I had already had my flu shot, so I figured I didn't have the flu. And I went and I got tested twice for the flu, and I didn't have it. So, so yeah, I mean, I figured yeah. you know, it was probably COVID. I mean, even though they said it wasn't in the United States yet at that time. It was. It yeah. was. They're now, they're now showing that it came in through California. I think I had it. I think my husband has had it. Um, he travels extensively, and so he's a, he used to be on airplanes every week. So I think he probably brought it to me, and I know the last week in February, I canceled every session I had, and I never cancel sessions. I never. I've got to be on a deathbed to be canceling sessions, and I had to clear my schedule for that week because I was like, I can't read. I, yeah. I'm really sick, and, and I've just got to listen to my body and – you know, take it easy because that's what that's what disease does. <laughs> yeah, it, it wiped me out too for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I was. I think I was okay after about a week, but you know, in, in talking with my doctor, she said she thinks more people have had it than than we even know of. So, and I have I I have asthma, so I'm you know I have a healthy um, wanting to stay away from it, mm -hmm. but. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think, as I said, I think we've got a ways to go before we're going to be back at rock concerts and stuff. Maybe, you know, outdoor ones, but not indoor ones. I hope so. I like music. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show today. 
Thank you so much, Gary. I know we talked for a long time, so you have lots. Of, how long are your podcasts normally? You know what? I've had podcasts go from like 45 minutes up to three hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, actually, actually, I put in a request with Guinness Book of World's Record to try to break the record for the longest podcast episode. So we'll see. What's the record? Uh, well, there's two. It's either the webcast record is 38 hours. From what I understand, the podcast record is 31 hours. So either way, I would probably just shoot for 40. Wow. Wow. I don't, I don't think I could talk. Oh, uh, in, in doing some of the appearances, for me, my brain starts going to mush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I could pull it off. You know, like, like, I was like, bring in enough guests, so. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, true. Because my, my guests do most of the talking. So, so say I scheduled 40 guests, one guest an hour for straight through. Perfect. Perfect. And then you'd have, you'd have people listening just to see you break that record. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun. I, mean, I always wanted to be in a Guinness. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah, my, I have a, a, a friend of mine is in the Guinness book. Uh, when he bought his um, Tesla, <laughs> when he bought his Tesla car, um, he took it cross country. So he got in the Guinness Book of World Records for driving an electric, one of the first people to drive an electric car without using any gas going cross country. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I would so, have never thought of that one. Well, I think he, I think there was a little bit more to it because he also went to all the opening games, baseball games. He's a big, big fan. So he went, uh -huh. that was kind of what led him across the United States was going. And so newspapers started picking up, you know, what they were doing and stuff. So they started coming out to these baseball games and interviewing, but he did get his, his Guinness, you know, the plaque and stuff, but I think you, you have to apply and, you know, there's a process with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did. I put it in my application oh, and got to wait a couple months and, they say okay so they kind of set like um a standard of what you have to do and how right. it can be verified right. you have to verify stuff. right yeah but he but he did it and it was kind of fun he did it with his brother so it was this you know great thing that that he could do with his brother that's and pretty cool yeah to have the family time he did it i think like two years ago awesome yeah, so it was fun. Well, uh, Gary, thank you so much for having you. me. I really and appreciate it. Where I'm, can my listeners find you? Oh, at uh, Medium Annie with an I E Larson with an R and an O dot com. Medium Annie Larson dot com. Great, and I'll post a link to it in the notes of this episode. Great, and I'll I'll put it uh, when it's ready. You know, just let me know, and I will put it up on my website. I actually had you up there in my upcoming. I put all my upcoming ones. Oh, great! Thank you. But, so that people know where to look. Yeah, my website gets a, it gets a lot of action. <laughs> it's a very popular website. <laughs> so it's kind of good. And then, oh, I'm, I don't get to take a picture of you. Normally, I take a, a screenshot of being on the podcast. There's tons of pictures of me on my Facebook page. Yeah, I always like ones where, where we're, we're on the podcast together. But that's okay. I'll just say, you know, this one's not video. And I'll just use your... Uh, I'll probably take a picture from one of your, um, you know, out there yeah. and put it with your uh, everything imaginable. Sounds cool. 
Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, leave this podcast and go think about my energy. And is it mine or is it somebody <laughs> else's or where's my energy coming from? I'm going to think about that one for a long time. <laughs> well, don't think too hard. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love thinking about this stuff. Are you kidding me? I love things that are all, you know, the metaphysical. Yes. Yes. All things cool. metaphysical. All right. Well, thank you and have a great day. You too, Gary. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise. To support the costs of producing this podcast, click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.